Welcome to Conversations with Achievers. I'm your host, Robert Wright. I'm a mentor to owners, executives, and their teams, and CEO of Extraordinary People, LLC. I work with people that want to create extraordinary business performance with less stress, more joy, and more personal fulfillment. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn from your peers as we explore what it takes in terms of attitudes, habits, and behaviors that achieve extraordinary results. Results for yourself, for your family, and your community. Hello, it's Robert White, and welcome to Conversations with Achievers. Uh, It's always good to be with a fellow business person, learn what they've learned, and uh, get a little bit of knowledge about their come from, their state of being, but also their actions as a business person. Uh, And today our guest is Matt Murray. Matt, welcome to Conversations with Achievers. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Well, we want to find out a lot more about you. Why don't you do a a short version of the life story that brought you to this point in your entrepreneurial role? Absolutely. So my journey in blue collar started when I was very young. I was born and raised blue collar. My dad was a mechanic and a meat cutter. My mom was a checker and kind of grew up in that industry. I can remember being very young and out in the garage working with dad on stuff. And then as I as I grew up, I learned to, to like working on cars and electronics. I was a car stereo installation technician. And then in in 2000, I'm sorry, 97, backing it up a little bit farther, 97, I got into, into heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, into HVAC. Uh, started off as a technician in Los Angeles, California. And I did that for six years. And then the company went uh, went bankrupt and they brought us all in on a Friday in June of 2003 and laid us all off, the whole company. So I was kind of put off onto my, onto my own, not by design, but by default. So I went out and found a side job to make some money to pay my, pay my house bill. And that side job led to another and another. And a long story short, here I am 20 years later and I, I'm still on my, still on my summer side job. So, and I now do, uh, now do coaching too. So that's, that summer side job, 20 years as a, as a blue collar entrepreneur, uh, eight figure entrepreneur. And I started, uh, the blue collar King, which is my coaching brand earlier this year. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to find more out more about your company and your coaching yep. uh, at near the end of this program. But for sure, uh, welcome and thank you for your willingness to participate. Yep. Uh, you know, before we got on the air today, we chatted a little bit about uh, uh, Matt recently being visitor to my home state of uh, Colorado, my adopted home state, and uh, and some work you're doing uh, on, on uh, couples retreats. And I think that's also something that many of our listeners uh, are interested in that subject. You know, Love it. Uh, in my coaching experience, it usually goes about three months where we're talking about profit and dealing with the team and uh, some new tools in that area. Mm-hmm. And then comes the conversation, which is, uh, you know, could you help me uh, a little bit with with my adult children or with my marriage or right. something in that more personal area that's pulling us away from effectiveness? So hopefully we'll we'll have a chance to talk about that a bit. Love so uh, along the way, uh, certainly part of your learning comes from that being grounded in blue collar work, starting with with your dad. Uh, yep. It's interesting that 
you knew the place and you knew the subject and it's obviously uh, a good memory for you. Uh, what do blue collar guys know that white collar guys don't? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I think, you know, when you look at the look at blue collar versus white collar, I think we we as in blue collar kind of stereotyping myself, people look at white collar people as the people that grew up in the perfect little homes and went to school and went to college and got a college degree and kind of started and came in, you know, at the top of the food chain. And I think blue collar people, we look at ourselves as we had to work our way into the start off in the trenches and work our way up working on stuff. And then I think some of those blue collar people that started off as technicians, if you will, um, regardless of what trade it is, they then can move their, their way up into the, into the higher ranks of an organization, become a supervisor, manager, or director. So I think blue collar people just know a little bit more about the technical stuff. Not that white collar people couldn't learn it as well, but I think it's just how we were raised and how we were brought up. I think blue collar parents raised blue collar children for the most part and white collar parents raised white collar kids for the most part. I think that's just kind of how society has it all set up. <laughs> uh, you know, a good friend of mine was the co-founder of a company called Career Track. At one time, uh -huh. they were they were the biggest seller of one day seminars in yep. the world. And uh, you know how to be a better manager, how to be a better secretary, how to handle time organization. You know, white collar stuff for sure. Yep. And he wrote a book. It was a bestseller. You know, because all of those trainers were mm -hmm. out promoting it all over the country for sure. <laughs> uh, and when he wrote his, and then I did some coaching work with him and which is the start of our, our friendship. And, uh, and he wrote a second book and the second book, it was just in trans and it was just the transcript all, you know, just typed out and he sent it to me and I read it. And I, I honestly responded to him that I'm going to buy copies for all of my children. Nice. It's that good. And wow. it was really aimed at the, uh, teenager the older teenager 20s maybe even early 30s and one of the pieces of advice he, he gave was so obviously white collar he said yep. get go to college and then get a job at a big company right. and they'll spend a lot of money training you and you will learn how to work <laughs> uh and he was very practical about yep. that kind of thing it, it, you know it's like okay you've been in this protected bubble but yes. get out there and get kicked around a little bit and then he, he recommended that they break some rules and get fired. Nice. So they could go on and do what they really <laughs> want to do. And when I read that, I just thought, well, that's just excellent advice. And now the book never got published. And that, that's a different story for a different mm -hmm. time. Um, but Matt, for me, when I look back at my beginnings, uh, because I started kind of early, I certainly, I, you know, I started at eight, eight years old, probably like you with your dad in the garage. Well, yeah. My dad wasn't present for things like that, but I cleaned milk cans. You know, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, the dairy mm -hmm. state. And back then they didn't have the big refrigerated tank trucks. They, the uh, drivers picked up milk cans Right. from the dairy farmers, these small, medium-sized dairy farmers. And uh, they needed to be rinsed before they were sterilized. And the driver, that was the driver's job. And I found out that if I did it, I got tipped, right? Nice. But I was around people that drove a truck and lugged around those heavy milk cans. Mm -hmm. And then it was the same thing with picking produce. 
Yep. You know, that you're around people, you're next to somebody often from Mexico mm -hmm. that uh, has a life as difficult as in some ways as my childhood was, didn't c compare at all to theirs. I learned so much doing that kind of work. Uh, one night, and I have to admit, there was some uh, uh, Japanese sake involved with a group of us and we got into what's the worst job you ever had and uh, mine was scraping gum off the sidewalk at the local dairy queen in midsummer oh yeah that doesn't sound fun <laughs> but I, I think about that and there's a grounding in that kind of work yep that that serves even white collar people in my experience especially that learning how to work piece agree you know, that what happens if you show up late two or three days in a row, mm -hmm. you know, it isn't a report to the human resource department to with blue collar people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah things are handled a little bit differently. Somebody's <laughs> in your face, I would guess. Yeah. When you work with a group of guys in the field and you're late on a job, and there's a crane rig or we're working on a unit or this or that. And, and you show up late. Yeah. Most, most uh, standard HR tactics or or protocols are, are aren't very effective in that and aren't used in those types of situations. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a guidebook either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can remember when I started off in '97 in the trade, and it was a union. You know, I showed up on the first day, a bunch of union pipe fitters. I mean, these guys were burly, big guys, tattooed. I mean. They were literally screaming and cussing at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. All right. They're not messing around. So yeah, I had to get my little booty in gear there. I, I found out very quickly that they were there to get shit done and I needed to be on in alignment with that, or they were going to make stuff happen for me and get rid of me very quickly. So yeah, and things are different out in the field. <laughs> and it isn't going to be a pleasant meeting across a desk no it's not how it's <laughs> gonna go down a little employee discipline forms not gonna be involved <laughs> you know if a if a white collar guy or, or or woman is listening to this program today what what do you have to share with them and how they work with uh, blue collar folks you know i i've watched that show undercover boss a few times yeah you, you kind of see tremendous learning on the part of the boss who goes yep. out and gets his hands dirty yeah uh, what how do how do we relate better to uh, people that actually do the work yeah i love that question and i think both parties have a lot to learn from each other i think you know what we do in my my core business evolution mechanical is i will take office people and have them go work in the field and then i will take field people and have them come work in the office so the talents the training, the mindsets, the the experiences, they're they're both required in order to have a successful business, obviously. But I think it's important for both people to respect each other, even though you might have come from different upbringings or different paths. And one, you know, one person went to college and the other person didn't. They worked their way up in the field. But we have a lot to learn from each other. But I think someone needs to facilitate those relationships because I don't think people will naturally just kind of interact. And I, I teach people and I coach, you know, people, like I said, within our organization to to respect each other. And, and it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters. It matters where we're going together and what can we learn from each other? 
what can white collar educated people teach our blue collar people in the field about business systems, structure, operations, leadership, communication, analytics, and stuff like that? And then what can our blue collar folks teach them about how things work in the field in terms of interacting better with customers and what it looks like to show up and make things happen logistically and mechanically and stuff like that? So I think it's I think it's awesome. I love I love both I love both sides of the business and I've sat on on both sides of the bus for sure. Well, that comes across in your voice and, and your facial expressions. You've got some passion about that. Yeah, that's, thank you. That's great. <laughs> you know, on our trainings over the years with over a million people, one of the exercises that we do early on the first day is to talk with people about how they avoid, including how they avoid training <laughs> experiences <laughs> that they just signed up for and paid for. <laughs> but then they'll, you know, you know, we run our racket and we avoid. And years ago, it was always television or shopping or going for a run, you know, different ways we avoid uh, the present, whatever's yep. happening presently. And of course, the thing that's avoided now, and probably like you, I turn it off for things like this, yep. that this is our biggest way to avoid. Uh, and uh, the thing that I get in, in talking with my clients is that they uh, get kind of attached to their office and their desk mm -hmm. and that phone and a computer mm -hmm. and uh, avoid getting out and just being with people, playing right. the cashier role across the counter, uh, yep. going out on a service call with an, with an unhappy client. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see that on that TV show, but uh, I've also seen it with my work. I, you know, when I had 70 trainers, I didn't do it. I did one training a year. Mm -hmm. uh, a five-day training but um i made sure i was in the back of the room uh, uh three or four days every month with different trainers mm -hmm. so that i could see it live not right. not the report yeah see their struggles see their wins see the transformation you'll see all of the good stuff absolutely also see some of the uh places where we could be better Mm -hmm. you know, for sure and, uh, it's that's incredibly valuable along the way uh in building uh your current business or or a previous one have you had any major breakdowns you know where you really really had to go like go back to god it's kind of the my favorite expression <laughs> <laughs> and increase my prayer frequency yeah oh for sure so 20 years on the entrepreneurial journey I thought for a while there that breakdowns and failure was like my middle name. It seemed like I had more issues and failures and problems than I did anything like really ever working right. You know, and that's not really true. It's an emotional thing, right? There's a lot of times where things were working very well, but I learned now through my personal development to practice gratitude and give myself a lot more grace than I used to when I was younger and starting off on my on my journey, but yeah, it's, it's been rags to riches. It's been up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. And I think, you know, for anyone that's, that has a business or has been, you know, working in a business as a leader or business owner, you probably know this, it's a roller coaster, but for people that don't understand this, or you're about to go into business for yourself, you have to realize like, it's not going to be a straight line trajectory of, of going straight up the, the mountain. There's going to be peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, all all the way up. So after about 15 or 16 years of pain and suffering, I finally, I, <laughs> I finally realized like, okay, there, I either, I need to go back to work for somebody or I got to get some help here. Like, cause this trial and error game and me thinking with my big fat ego that I got this figured out and I've got everything handled and everything's fine is not true. 
Um, like you said, the little racket, our little stories, you know what I mean? I finally had to get humble and I, and it took me enough pain to get to a place where I was like, okay, help someone help anybody help God, Jesus, Buddha, whatever you can do seminars, books. So my, my help or personal development, you know, journey started about 2016, 2017. And it started with a uh, Vistage. Have you heard of Vistage? It's a peer advisory group. Yes, yeah, I'm sure you've had. So not to drag, drag this out, but it started at Vistage. I went, I joined Vistage, which was amazing. I got myself around some executives that knew that they were doing. I met a, uh, an executive peak performance coach through Vistage. I hired Nikki where I worked with him for, for four or five years. I had a one-to-one call with him. And I learned about the other white collar stuff that I had no idea about because I was a blue collar guy, right? So I learned that there was a whole bunch of stuff going on in an organization and in a business that I didn't have any skill set for. One of the biggest things was, was leadership and emotional intelligence. So I had to go down this you know long journey of developing my EQ and my leadership skills and communication skills, and then all the business tactics and stuff like that. So it was, it was, it's been a journey, but I, you know, I'm at a place now where I don't think I've, I wouldn't say I'm, I've reached the, the, you know, the mastery of success. I don't think there is a, I don't think you get there. I think it's a journey. There's no destination. I'm continuously evolving and developing and learning, but I had to get to a place where I became humble and self-aware to open up a door for, for growth and change for me to actually learn what I was doing. Oh, that's uh, a tremendous commercial for uh, your journey and, Thank and you. what people might get from you in a coaching environment. Yep. It's, it's also like uh, uh, an endorsement of what I do and I, it's appreciated. Yeah. And big thing I think for many, particularly men, women are a little more open to, um outside opinions than mm-hmm. we are we I, somehow for most men we think we're supposed to handle everything it's right. also the key i'm a, i don't want to go too negative here but yeah the biggest demographic for suicide is in fact you and me mm-hmm. uh you know adult men we're yes. the biggest women attempt it more often but men succeed that's yes. why that demographic turns out that way. Yes. We're pretty result oriented, right. even with suicide. Yep. But you know that reaching out for help. Yeah, it's the key to suicide education, but it's also the key to business success. Right. So that peer groups like Vestige and like what I do with my group coaching efforts, um, and and having that one on one with someone who's been there before. Yep. You know, who's seen a lot of the issues that are facing you and have right. some kind of skill in communicating yep. uh, in a transformative way where you actually shift your point of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible, incredible learning. Yeah. What audience. I learned too is that there's there's really a lot more personal development work to do in building a business as a leader than there is systems and strategies. Don't get me wrong, the systems, strategies, the operating systems, if you will, are absolutely important and mandatory to scale a business. But every leader has what I call like a ceiling or a you know a, a Peter principle, if you will. And once we install some of the systems and tactics. 
And this is another big pill to swallow in terms of men and our ego and asking for help, right? When you have to look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm I'm the problem. I, I remember one of the <laughs> I remember one of the, you know, the, the first series of conversations I started having with my coach. And he would he was just being a good coach, asking me questions, right? About this or about that, and how's this working and what's not working. And I have this laundry list of how everybody else was a problem my customers my people my vendors my whatever right and he and he goes so i'm looking through this list and it's a very it's a very comprehensive list but i'm i see one big 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 problem with the list and i go what is it what's missing and he goes are you sure you're ready to go down this journey of personal development and change and i'm like absolutely no more pain for me he goes so the biggest thing that i see missing on this list is i don't see your name and I was like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, so I don't see Matt Murray on this list. And I'm like, huh? Well, <laughs> well, he's fine. We don't need to talk about him. <laughs> so anyways, you probably know where this goes from here, right? How that story <laughs> and how that five or six years of personal development work went after that. So yeah, it's a journey and it's scary. It is, it's scary for, for, for you to have to, to look inward, right? We're not really taught that in our today's society. I think maybe some people are, maybe some people are raised with an entrepreneur father or coach or whatever, but I think the majority of the masses were, we, we don't know. We're not taught to look inward. We're not taught to how to give each other feedback and, and take feedback and constructive criticism. So, yeah. yeah and we, not all of us had Jordan Peterson or Brian Tracy as a parent. <laughs> yeah, <right>? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hundred uh, percent. <laughs> But uh, you know, I I so identify with that journey personally. I I remember that that first personal development course that I took, Mind Dynamics, they talked about personal responsibility. Yeah, and it and it you know it sounds like a cliche yep. all these years later, but it changed my life for the better. Hundred percent. One of the things I realized is that I had a really challenging relationship with my mother. She was angry and violent mm -hmm. and. And, you know, we were on the wrong side of the tracks in terms of economically. And my father was had an affection for alcohol that didn't serve our, our yeah. family well. So it wasn't a good situation. So I had a lot of ways to blame them for my problems. For sure. You know, and yeah. uh, I get in this seminar and I realize that my mother was one of the most responsible people on the planet. <laughs> she was widowed three times. She kept you know they weren't nice clothing but she kept yep. clothing on our backs yeah, exactly she kept us fed she worked hard yeah we could count on her i don't recall her ever telling a lie or even mm -hmm. shading the truth a little bit yeah uh and but it, it took that third party that yes. training and then some coach coaching directly for me to really get that the moment i got personal responsibility i got my power back Yes. Isn't that an amazing, it's a very scary thing to step your toe into that river uh, of ownership and accountability. But boy, once you swim across to the other side and you get onto the levee on the other side, wow. How amazing does that feel? Oh, well said. Well said. Yeah. Well, look, I mentioned earlier about uh, that you and your wife uh, had been in Colorado for a couple's retreat. Yeah. Uh, what motivated that for you? Uh, and, and when did it happen? 
Yeah, for sure. So when I started doing the personal development work, I got, you know, I got a coach and started going to seminars and started reading books and this and that. And eventually at first the wife was like, whatever, you know what I mean? He's doing all this stuff, going here, spending all this money, not seeing change, you know, cause she sees money go out the door and wants immediate change. And it doesn't happen like that. So um, what happened eventually was I kept on that journey and eventually she started to see change. She started to see me um, evolving and becoming a different person and thinking differently and showing up differently, taking more accountability and responsibility, being more truthful and more real with myself and with her and with the family. And that got her interested to come on the journey with me. Like, well, how do I, how do I play too? Right? Like she was now interested. So uh, our, our church, a gentleman named Keith Kraft that runs Elevate Life Church out of uh, Frisco, Texas, out of Dallas area. He's not only a pastor, but he's an, an entrepreneur. He's actually an entrepreneur and business coach before he started the church 20 years ago. But he runs, uh, he runs a couples group. He runs a couples mastermind. And when I had found out about that couples mastermind, I was like, wow, this is amazing. A husband and wife uh, mastermind where we can go together as a couple and we can go and learn and we do a day of learning and then we do a day of just of activities and having fun together. So it's been an amazing journey. We've been doing that for a couple of years now and it's been very, very powerful for our, for our relationship, for our children, for our business and, and for our journey. So we, we absolutely, we both love it now. We're both kind of on the, on the path, if you will, of doing things to become better people continuously. You had been engaged in a lot of personal growth before you made that decision. When you introduced it to your wife, did she immediately jump in and say, yeah, let's do this? Or was there some hesitancy? No, at first it was like how she's my wife. Um, she's very smart, smarter than me. And she wanted more information. Like, like what's it look? She was definitely interested but she said, you know, me, I'm the kind of guy I'm like, okay, whatever, let's go that way. Jump off the cliff. We'll build wings on the way down. She's more intelligent. She's like, okay, that I like the idea of that, but let, what are the logistics? What's it cost? How's this going to work? When are we going to meet? How often? Right? So she did her little due diligence, if you will. And then she's like, okay, yep. I like it. How do we sign up? So that's kind of how it went. That's kind of how it went down. And she knew, she knew of the pastor too. So she trusted Keith and stuff like that. So it was, she did her check the boxes kind of thing. And then, and then we, we signed up and, and the rest is history. So it's been good. I think doing anything together as marriages mature is yes. incredibly important. Absolutely. You know, when you're, when you're just focused on the kids and the house and yep. the job and, you know, that kind of stuff, they provide a, a vision for both of you uh, individually, mm -hmm. but not a vision for you as a, as a couple. And right. one of the things I've learned from my coach is that, uh, you, you need to have that in, in corporate setting, they call it a third thing. You know, mm -hmm. that when you bring two companies together, there has to be a third vision mm -hmm. uh, for the combined company. And for, uh, what I've observed with clients, with myself is you need to, you need to have things to do together and yes. to be together. And, you know, sometimes that's a sport. Sometimes that's, uh, you know, you, you both golf or you Correct. both like going to football games or you both, yep. uh, one of my dear friends in Japan years ago, um, after retirement, he and his wife, and I have no idea how they decided this, 
they decided to study the world's religions by going to those places and to places of worship. Wow, so they went I to, love that. You know, they went to, to, you know, these grand Catholic churches, but they also mm -hmm. went to Greek Orthodox, which are quite, you know, relatively simple. And mm -hmm. they went to Muslim uh, mm -hmm. uh, places of worship. And then that meant that they had to learn a little bit of English or not English, of the language of the right. country where that they were traveling to. Sure. And uh, so they would spend all year long studying mm -hmm. the language, studying the history, studying the culture and uh and then take the trip and then sharing it with people around them and i was one of the lucky people to be included in that um, and it was a classic you know japan at that time years ago was exclusively a an introduction wedding uh structure mm -hmm. you didn't fall in love and you know our normal western routine Right. Your parents uh, shopped for you and and uh, identified a, a good mate. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that came out of that relationship I just talked about is they took a trip to Europe to see some some church. And when they came back, uh, he wrote me the hand wrote the most charming and beautiful letter. Uh, one of the best I've ever received, where he said, you know, I realized during this trip that even though I had this arranged marriage, I have fallen in love with my wife. For a Japanese executive that's a, that's to say that. Yes. And it was just it, you know, like right yep. right in the heart. Right, right in the heart. Yep. I love that. And you know, that I, that uh, takes that takes massive work, you know. That fall in love, the honeymoon phases, that's easy. That just happens by default. And like what you said, I love this idea of this third entity thing that we need to be co-creating and working on. And that's our relationship. And Heather and I, we got married in 2010. We started dating in 2006. And things kind of worked by default for a while. But then we did. We grew apart. And if you're not, what, I, what we learn, and this, a lot of this had to do with the work we're doing in our couple's mastermind, if you're not actively, continuously working on your marriage relationship, it will fall apart. So we date, we still date each other now. We still leave, you know, we're working on leaving love notes and we leave notes on the mirror and the little stuff like this stuff you would do when you're in that high hormone honeymoon phase, you got to keep that <laughs> stuff going. If you want to keep the magic going, right. If not, the relationship's going backwards. So it, it takes, it all takes work. All of it does. Wise counsel for anyone that's uh, caring about their relationship uh, yeah. or any relationship for that matter. Yep. Find Date your spouse. Date your spouse for sure. Hey, Matt, this has been a delight. First of all, just sincere thanks. I know that you've shared a lot that my audience will profit from and enjoy and, and get untold benefits. If people want to get in touch with you, either about your coaching or about uh, the couples workshop, yeah, uh, the mastermind, what, how do people reach you? Yeah, for sure. Thanks. So the easiest way to do is go to my website, bluecollarking.com. And then if you would like to ask me any, you know, questions or you want to text me, or if you'd like to get a, a free copy of my new book, my new book just, uh, just dropped about a month ago, you can go to Instagram and at the real blue collar king. That's my handle. You can jump on there and shoot me a private message. And I'd love to answer any questions. I love helping people. I love sharing uh, and I love sharing my journey. I love answering questions. So don't be shy.
<laughs> That's great. We'll also put it in the show notes. And uh, Matt, once again, thank you. This has been a delight. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for Conversations with Achievers. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for this weekly show, the details are at therobertwhite.com and click on Podcasts. I'm looking for businessmen and women with a story to tell, stories that might benefit other owners and executives. If you got some value from this program, I'd really appreciate you sharing about it on social media and just mentioned www.therobertwhite.com slash podcast. Of course, subscribing means you won't miss a show and rating the podcast positively will leave Robert smiling. I'm building a movement here for leaders, leaders who want to succeed in business, succeed with their families, have fun, and contribute toward making the world a better place. It's special to me that you chose to listen. I look forward to connecting again next week. Remember, reach out to me anytime with any questions or concerns at therobertwhite.com. Bye for now.